Hello, my name is Nathan Foster, and welcome once again to the Run of Our Weekly Podcast. You'll remember a few weeks back I interviewed Spring Arbor University Professor Robert Moore Jumanville on the writings of G.K. Chesterton. And man, I couldn't resist. I had to record one more interview with him as he's done some wonderful work researching C.S. Lewis on prayer. So it's good stuff. Very, uh, very helpful. So enjoy. Mojo. Nate, we get to do it again. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And today, Lewis on prayer. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of how I got interested in this. I think uh, maybe it was uh, teaching in the, the Masters of Spiritual Formation and mm-hmm. Leadership course. Uh, there was a kind of a special topics course, and I, so I taught uh, C.S. Lewis uh, and Spiritual Formation. Okay. I got to teach that a couple times. And it was really fun. I think so. I, I focused on the fiction then. Uh, I think, if I remember right, it's been a number of years, but I did Screw Tape, Great Divorce, Until We Have Faces, mm-hmm. mainly. Oh, there's my book. Well, Until We Have Faces. <laughs> we have faces. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. I love it. It's wonderful. And so I was, I, I continued to do like, you know, present papers on Lewis and, and spiritual formation because I think it, we talked about Chesterton last time. Mm-hmm. And Ch- I think Chesterton is this avenue into spiritual formation. So is Lewis. And I'm, I'm uh, fascinated by this notion that when we look at fiction, think about it in terms of a movie. You mm-hmm. see a movie and it, and it catches you, uh, you get drawn into the story. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden you find that you're in the story. You're part of the story mm-hmm. and you're a character mm-hmm. in the story. And you think, oh, no. So for just as an example, I always, uh, I always use Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. As my final exam for my spiritual formation class. Okay, and what you find is that as you, if you take that seriously as spiritual formation, there's there's a certain point in the film where you think, oh my gosh, I don't, I didn't want to know this, but I'm Phil Connors. Uh, <laughs> I'm a jerk. Uh-huh, I'm really uh-huh. a jerk. I'm selfish. Yeah, and you know, and it's about that sense of coming to know yourself. You know, yeah. and I think fiction does that for us in a way. That like, you know, it's it's Nathan and David, right? With the parable. Mm-hmm. It's you are that man, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, that's not where I was going with this. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I, we, I, impl- are, we find ourselves implicated in the story. Exactly. And yeah. These stories really become about us. And about so us. Yeah. yeah. And then maybe like, you know, all of a sudden there was this uh, subconscious stuff in me. And it's like, I didn't really realize that was there, you know. Um, in screw tape letters, uh, there's this great one. You know, you know how screw tape talk, don't you? He talked like Peter Laurie. <laughs> and he says, yeah, screw tape says to Worm when he says, I, I want you, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> I want you to, to keep from his mind all those things about himself that anybody who's worked with him or has ever lived with him for knows quite well, you know, it's like, so it's like, you know, keep him blind to that, you know, so it's like, uh, don't, don't ask my wife, you know, <laughs> about, about my spiritual formation. So anyway, so I was thinking about uh, shifting towards screw tape and, and, and what screw tape has to, uh, to teach us about spiritual formation. And, you know, I, I kind of played with, well, should there be like, you know, a certain guidebook, you know, a spiritual formation guidebook? You know what it was? It was a friend of mine who told me that he worked in a psych unit uh-huh. and the nurses would get together in the evening and they would read a screw tape letter just because they're short. Huh, so they're very right? usable, right? Yeah. And how that 
gave them a perspective for these people kind of lost touch, you know, or these people were struggling, you know, uh, psychologically. You know, so I thought, wow, that's that's really, you know, makes screw tape sound much more practical than I'd ever thought before. Anyway, so I started trying to think about that. And what what happened is it shifted, expanded into Lewis's interest in prayer, which I'd never really seen before. Okay. Now, there's a couple of screw tape letters on prayer, so that's probably where I started on it. And then he wrote... He wrote a number of essays, uh, and so he's writing. You know, like Screw Tape was serialized in the Guardian. I don't know if you knew no. that it came out. Oh uh, yeah, each yeah each chapter. Okay, and so he would write. Um, he would write for papers like the Evening Telegraph was mm-hmm. uh, was one of these first uh, essays. And I'm trying to think of what the titles were. Uh, I don't. I don't have. I don't have that information in front of me. But um, there's. Uh, the problem of prayer, something like that, um, uh, and so there's 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 three different essays that he writes, mm-hmm. and then later on he he ends up kind of weaving those together with more material in letters to Malcolm, mm-hmm. chief of the mm-hmm. prayer. Letters to Malcolm mm-hmm. is his uh, his last book, really. It's published posthumously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started to follow this this line of thought, um, and you know he's he's early on he's the apologist. He's, he's do, yeah he's mm-hmm. doing the BBC talks you know and mm-hmm. for the RAF or whatever. He's got, <laughs> first he's their talks for, for for the RAF and then um, BBC, which gets you know um, printed in, into you know mere Christianity later. Uh, but so he's approaching. He's trying to carve out. Uh, He's trying to he's trying to solve some problems for people for so believers. One of the essays is unanswered prayer problem without an answer. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with unanswered prayer? Mm-hmm. Another one is really interesting. He talks about two types of prayer, and, and you, you can see this in letters to Malcolm too. But two types of prayer in the New Testament that seem contradictory, and he can't he can't mesh them. He can't blend them. Uh, kind of rationally. Right? Mm-hmm. So one is thy will be done. Mm-hmm. And Lewis says, this is, this is great prayer. I vote for this. <laughs> you know, I'll just, that, sure. that, that's, that, that's the only kind of prayer I'm happy. But he says, the problem is, is right alongside that in the new Testament, you get uh mountain move, you know, right. by faith, right. you know? And so you think about this, you know, here's somebody who's sick and you're saying, Lord, show up, you know, mm-hmm. the charismatic mm-hmm. prayer, be healed. Yeah, and I, I'm, you, I have no doubts in the name of Jesus, be healed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then he says. So I, the way I think of it is, how do you pray an imperative prayer? Mm-hmm. Do this, this, this be done. How do you pray an imperative prayer in the subjunctive mood? If you want, <laughs> right, right, they don't work. They say you, can't, you just canceled out, yeah, of sorts. And he says at the end of the prayer, you know, he says, I, I've. I haven't seen heard any solution, though I brought this to everybody that I know, religious, you know, lay person within my own denomination or others. Wow! And so he does. He does have a kind of a, a solution, I think, in the end, where he says, "Really, we are much more concerned uh, concerned in the end that we're heard. It's not just the <laughs> answer; it's the relationship." <laughs> That's my interpretation <laughs> of, of what of where he goes with that. Um, that that. If we have regard from God, if God uh, hears us and cares, then even if he uh, he says 
the the stone will be bread to us if, mm-hmm. he, if he put it in our hand. Mm-hmm. Even if he put it in our hand as rebuke, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, so it, it's something like that. It's like, okay, you are God, and I, we're, I'm still your child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I've been interested in is is yeah. Can I pause? Yeah, yeah, and I'd be curious your opinion on it because that the way I've and I hesitate to even say this now because if Lewis couldn't find the answer, yeah, right, right. But it, for me, I'll do a. Um, I, I kind of ask if I should do a healing. Yeah. Right? Like, right. I mean, I have, I've had people who are asking for prayer and uh, I let other people pray and I don't, because I don't feel yeah. um, compelled to make that ask, yeah. I guess. Um, and I, if we can align uh, God's will in, you know, your will be done in this healing that we're right. kind of co laboring, cooperating in that. Yeah. I don't know. If that... No, I think you're absolutely right. I think um, so. Friend that we know, Ken, yes. Ken Brewer, yes. I think had, had framed this in, in a in a different uh, different conversation, but saying how you know, like if you go to Scripture, you can find uh, a, a lot of verses that support free will, and mm-hmm. then you can find a lot of verses that support predestination and election. It's like they're both there. And do they cancel each other out? Um, normally what we do is we say, well, I'm going to go with my percentage. You know, I'm going to go with 70% on this side. This is going to be my emphasis. Sure. You know, and there's a lot of different uh, questions theologically that have a both and to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think what happens is with this paradox, right? So um, it's not a problem to be solved, but it's a, it's a, paradox to be lived Mm. so what happens is exactly what you said is it becomes spiritual formation for us i don't have like uh oh i know what the answer is you know Mm -hmm. Uh, when i get into this situation i apply this math formula and then i ask for you know healing in this in this one though that doesn't work every time i'm just i'm going through my daily life saying like lord open my eyes Uh right now it's about discernment Uh and it's about real and it's it actually forces me into prayer yeah into this sense of of what Jesus was doing all the time, right? Saying, Father, you know, I and the Father are one. Mm-hmm. I, I hear his voice and the words that I speak are, are from him, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think you, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I, not, I think Lewis would like uh, say, thanks, Nate. <laughs> I, think he'd say, I think I like that better than the one I said. <laughs> no, <I'm> like, <laughs> no, no. Uh, you, you see Lewis's, this kind of evolution of sorts of his of apologist and then, that's what I wonder. So Alistair McGrath's wonderful biography that, that just you know came out a couple of years ago, um, C.S. Lewis, A Life or something like that. So McGrath uh, says that there's this place where Lewis shifts a bit towards the imagination. Now, is it, you know, so, so he's apologist for the BBC, he's apologist for the, the mere Christian, right? right? Um, and he's trying to clear away obstacles to the faith. Uh and then at a certain point, it's like, it's almost as though it's like, well, been there, done that. Hmm. Now, how can I explore some of these deeper things? And I don't think it's like, uh, you know, all of a sudden he woke up one day and did this, but it, it is an evolution. But this is where you start to see uh, he goes back and surprised by joy is in the 50s. I think mm-hmm. it's 56 or something like that. Okay. He dies in 63. So it's, you know, it's, at the end. it's, it's towards the end. So he's, he's kind of trying to think about uh, his life and he's trying to think about life generally 
through this lens of imagination and, and like sort of sacred imagination. Mm-hmm. And then you start, you know, it's like Narnia, I think, is, is underway. But Narnia, a lot of that happens in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And then you get, I think, his, what the, the book that he loved most was Till, Till We Have Faces. That was his favorite. That was his, his favorite. favorite book. Yeah. That's what he liked the most. And he said, even though it was kind of the least understood. Yeah. Um, But I think there, I mean, think about sort of how Oriwal, think of it in terms of prayer. Okay. How Oriwal has, she's tried to see things rationally through the eyes of the fox, Hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And as things kind of, you know, get you know, out of control, they fall apart for her later on. She has a lot of success, you know, as, as queen of, of Gloam. Gloam, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a great name. Um, you know, she, she's, she's going to take her case to the gods. It's like Job, mm-hmm. you know, it's like things are unfair. Yeah. I've been treated yeah. unjustly. And, and so what I wonder partly is if Lewis isn't kind of, as he's, uh, as he's approaching prayer kind of over and over again in his life, because he prayed, he prayed a lot. When you look through his letters, you know, he's got these three volumes of letters. He's always writing everybody back who wrote him, you know. Yeah. So these huge volumes of, of the Lewis's collected letters. And he's, he's saying to people, especially kind of from the 50s on, um, keep me in prayer. I will pray for you hmm. if I don't write you know that you'll be in my prayer. So there's yeah. this commitment to like sort of intercessory prayer that he, so he was a praying person. Mm. But as that unfolds, you kind of see like, what, what does that do? Uh, it, it begins to become part of the self-examination for Lewis, mm. where it's like, am I being honest with God? Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like, can we, uh, can we sort of, pray in a way that that really doesn't bring us into contact with God, but we're just sort of playing a, a house of cards game. Sure. Sure. Um, and so this, I think this uh, in letters to Malcolm, chiefly in prayer, he says the prayer preceding all prayers is uh, may it be the real I who speaks. Mm-hmm. May it be the real thou that I speak to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you see in screw tape letters, which is early on, I think it's in the forties, uh, mm-hmm. early forties, I think. You see that there's uh, the devil doesn't Satan doesn't want us to pray, and he's gonna he's gonna sort of uh, try to twist our prayers mm-hmm. into things mm-hmm. that are about our feelings or about things that are self serving or mm-hmm. our concept of God. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got this uh, this great uh, little passage in there where he's. He's saying, teach him to use the possessive right. You know, my. You know, so it's like, like he goes from my teddy bear to my boots, you know, to to my profession, to my God. You know, Mm. so it's meaning the God that I can yank around, right? You know, and so I think that part of this is, or let me ask you, is this like uh, what Merton is talking about with true self, false self? Mm. Sure. And the closer I get to that sort of true self, maybe that's like, that's because Lewis believed in purgatory and it's like, ouch, 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 you know? And oh. so, so you get this because till we have faces, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do I want to see, you know, do I want to be seen? Right. And do right. I want to see? So self. all of these, all of these ghosts that uh, get up to, you know, the, the solid country and the great divorce, they're like, 
you know, they're, they're seen through. Yeah. You know, it's like, go oh, crumb. <laughs> yeah, they're exposed. They're exposed. In, yeah. in, a, in a beautiful, right? But yeah, yeah, but terrifying for them too. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like you got your pants down mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like, oh no, I'm naked basically. And uh, so, that, you know, and it's like, you can't come and bribe heaven. You know, you can't say, I want my rights mm-hmm. or I did this back here. It's like, it's like, I got nothing. Here you know, I am. My here I naked am. self. Yeah. yeah. And so I think, I think you can kind of see this unfolding in Lewis personally, because Lewis always was, uh, I think he's just, uh, a sanctificationist. Okay. He really, in, in, a, in sort of like the orthodox, you know, uh, sense of deification or, or the Catholic or Anglican uh-huh. sense of, uh, sanctification, of, of holiness. Uh, I think that, you know, he, he's got these lines from mere Christianity on where he says, you know, God doesn't want a branch off here or a branch off there. He wants the whole tree down, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, um, the, the, the wonderful one, the wonderful metaphor is, uh, God as architect and us as the building. Do you remember this one? He's, no. he's, he's like saying, um, you know, presently God starts knocking the building about in all kinds of unimaginable ways that hurt terribly. You know, it's like mm. we thought he was just going to fix a drain pipe there and, and, you know, maybe throw on a little wing over there <laughs> and go all out. <laughs> yeah. And now he's, he's like, he's taking the place apart because, and then he says, because he's building a castle for himself to come and live in, mm. you know? So it's like, uh, it is this sense that I think it's kind of related. The sanctification thing is, is related, I think to his theology of purgatory um, which may again be related to prayer, but so, you know, how do you tie that purgatory and prayer together? Well, in the sense that, uh, you know, it, it's part of this dying to self, mm-hmm. um, that, that if I'm being honest in my prayer, I'm letting go and, mm-hmm. and it's purifying. It's mm-hmm. like, it's thy will be done. Mm-hmm. Oh, purgatory being a purifying yeah. state. Purgatory. <laughs> purgatory. Yeah. Purging. So, so, uh, Eustace being peeled as a dragon, right? Yeah, in Narnia. In Narnia. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, ouch, you know, and, and yet it's like, it's what, it's what feels good too. It's like, you know, uh-huh. like, I don't know what, what, I don't, what, what's the analogy there? It's, it's like, like sunburn where you're, yes, you're peeling it off. Yeah. But, yeah. But there's a, yeah. 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 Or it's like you're, you're coming in, you know, from the cold and you're filthy playing mud football, you know, and it's going to, the shower is going to be painful, but it's just to get that off. It's going to yeah. feel good, you know? Yeah. So, but he, the, and prayer being a space where this can happen for us. Of yeah. Being I mean, exposed. I, th- I think that it's like, you know, I guess the question, you know, I think that Lewis is, is he's facing himself. This is actually fun because he's, he's saying, you know, uh, this is in, in his, uh, his last sermon. I think it was, like 56 or something like that, 59, I don't know, but it was a slip of the tongue. It's in The Weight of Glory and other essays. Okay. Um, and he talks about having to 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 give up his after-breakfast cigarette <laughs> <laughs> or postpone it to one intolerably later in the day, you know? Okay. And it's like, and so he uses these images of like giving up where you know that Louis, he's talking about himself. He's saying like, this is, this is painful. You know, mm. and he says it's like the the person who is an honest taxpayer. I'm ready to pay my taxes. I don't want to pay any more because right. <laughs> I want enough to live on. Yeah, you know, and live comfortably. So I think it's this sense of when you die to yourself, you're. It's always this this sense of 
really, Lord, do I have to give this up? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so there's this purifying element. But so And that's the thy will be done prayer, isn't it? It is. It's the it letting is. go. And, and I think it's it's so I think the way I phrase it in terms of like Lewis on purgatory is um, God is holy. Mm-hmm. And we have free choice. I mean, Lewis believed these two mm-hmm. things, right? Mm-hmm. So if you put those together, then, you know, and God as holy cannot coexist with evil, mm-hmm. with unholiness. And you see this in the great divorce. You mm-hmm. just, you got to let it go. You got to, you got to let your baggage here, uh, let it, let it off at the, at the bus stop. Um, and, and so this, this sense that, you know, if God is holy and he can't, sort of coexist with anything evil, then if I've got free will, I've got to let go of it. Mm-hmm. He's not going to sort of, you know, I get hit by the bus mm-hmm. and I get to heaven. He's not going to just wave the magic wand. Oh, well, you got hit by a bus now, so now you're perfect. Mm-hmm. It's like Lewis is imagining there's there's a journey. Mm-hmm. He's It's like a spell that has to be unwound bit by bit, he says. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like where you've gone wrong in a math problem and you, you don't, go right by just, you know, unless you go back to the mm. place where it went wrong and start to mm-hmm. to proceed from there, you know. So it's this, it's really, it's it's like saying, uh, I'm giving you dignity as a co-agent of mm. creation and of change. And you're part, you're responsible for your own spiritual formation. And the, the thing I like the best about this is um, in, uh, he's got this kind of thought experiment in mere Christianity that's easy to pass by. But he says, if you've got a problem with anger and you you know you've got 70 years to live and that's all you know mm-hmm. and then poof mm-hmm. you're done well then you might make some progress uh you know it, it, maybe maybe not if you got like 7 billion years to live you might as well get started with it now because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna, it may take you a while and that's really groundhog day to come back to it you know that's like, a that sense of and that's, that's the the kind of image that as we move into eternity yeah. we continue to grow and, right. and change right. and our formation right and character deepens yeah um and so i think you know then part of this not is, the cosmic car wash as dallas uh, would 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 say that's great the, yeah that we die and instantly everything's i mean these are yeah issues to kind of work through a yeah. little bit but something something kind of yeah. jumps at me the idea of we can continue this growth the spool yeah. continuing to be yeah unwound and so then the way that prayer relates to that in a sense is like you know when I pray, you know, think about it. He's not a safe lion. You know, I'm coming before Aslan, and it's like I I shouldn't come with BS. You know, right. I shouldn't right. come, you know, trying to say be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be coming, uh, you know, kind of with a veil. Mm-hmm. I, I, God wants to see that I've got a face. Yeah, lift the veil off. Come to me. Uh, you know. And and does the church do this very well? Does it give us a chance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the 12-step groups are, are much better at this, as we know. Um, and I think I think Lewis is struggling with this. And then especially as Joy dies, Joy Davidman, mm-hmm. you know. That's why. Yeah. And then it's, it's like uh, there's a lot of pain there. And... Um, you know, he, he comes out with these these expressions that his his house of his, it's only been a house of cards for him. He's been playing. It's like he's been playing with uh, with poker chips instead of real money. You know, mm-hmm. and it, and it, and he has maybe his maybe his faith is just flimsier than he thought. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying in grief observed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think towards the end, 
he uh, he becomes, and it would be in A Grief Observed, in Letters to Malcolm, and then uh, Clyde Kilby was the first curator of the Wade Collection at, at uh, Wheaton, mm-hmm. and he uh, collected a, le- uh, um, a set of uh, correspondence between uh, um, Mary Shelburne, this okay. is a woman that Lewis never met, uh, and, and Lewis. So this is an American woman in Georgia. They never met throughout their life. They had a 13 year correspondence, over 100 letters. Wow. And they're, and a lot of them are about prayer. Huh. And what's really interesting is that in, you know, you've, you've got people who say the problem of pain is rational. That's Lewis kind of with his slide rule and his calculator saying, here's what pain does and it's good for us. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it teaches us lessons. And then when Joy Davidman dies, he's like, this sucks. Yeah. Uh, this is really, uh, and he, and he, he, basically becomes the psalmist in lament Mm -hmm. saying, you know, I'm not sure that God's, you know, fair. And Mm -hmm. in fact, he might be cruel, you know, so he's, he's just Mm -hmm. letting it all out there. And so sometimes it's easy to contrast, you know, sort of the rational Lewis and the emotional Lewis and say, well, he didn't know what he was saying before. And now he's just kind of, you know, uh, that's the real Lewis as a grief observed. Okay. But it, when you look at these letters with Mary Shelburne, you can see how, what a great spiritual director he is uh-huh. and how he's, he's talking to her about heaven. It's like, why wouldn't we want to slough off this old skin, you know? And um, he, he says, he's saying to her, she's sick and she can't get out of bed. And he's saying, just give yourself into the everlasting arms. Huh. Don't you hear this voice saying, my child, I'm holding you. And he, he's got this great... He's, he's just funny. He says, just just imagine you're a turnip. <laughs> a turnip? A turnip. I mean, if that's not like a contemplative, you know, it's like, just just kind of be there. You know, you're sick and bad. Just just be content with just, uh, being, just being there. You know, it's, it's kind of strange, but, you know, it's, it's funny. <laughs> and, and so kind of where he's going with this then is that prayer then can become some of the most honest spaces we're in. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, I think so. And yet, you know, I'm... It's he's doing it through letters, which is interesting because while he's giving spiritual direction, you know that he's part, he's talking to himself. Yeah, yeah. he's giving spiritual direction. Well, and and what a as as painful as that is yeah. to be transparent, to be seen, yeah. particularly I mean with others, but also before God. But there's just something so beautiful and so rich. Yeah, uh, in that, and it's those prayers that begin with "I don't want to pray today." Yeah, or right. I, I don't think I like you very much today. Right, right. right. <laughs> and but but just jumping into that. Right. Uh, and in the end, we right. are facing ourselves with that. Right. And it's, so it's there's this sense that I think prayer, especially for us as Protestants, because you know we we we've kind of have, sometimes have thinned out the means of grace. You know, okay. sort of like that's these these tangible things that are sacramentally effective. Uh, so I think that that prayer really is this sort of medicinal yeah right? it's this yeah. it's this divine therapy it's this means of grace um and, and and you know it's like lewis his his favorite metaphor for purgatory was the going to the dentist you <laughs> 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 don't worry about it you know it's like, oh, but you want the tooth out yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's like yeah, it hurts like right right yeah. the, the, there's no limit with prayer is there i mean the the kind of i mean maybe you could speak to that personally the journey yeah. of moving into prayer to me, it just feels like deeper and deeper and layer after layer. Yeah, and I I do think like you've 
you've said that you've uh, you've been looking at John the Cross mm. recently, mm-hmm. and um, so I think that the you go through these stages, right, through these um, seasons, and I think that as you get further in that into that sort of ocean, mm-hmm. right, and mm-hmm. it keeps on expanding, it can get quite disturbing. Mm-hmm. It can be. Um, it can be kind of terrifying. And I think that's what Lewis is kind of going through is a, is a dark night of the soul experience. Um, a friend, a mutual friend of ours, Tom, said this. Yes. He'd, he'd done some cross-cultural trips with students to the Greek islands. And, uh, and he said, you know, I feel like my life is, is like these islands. Uh, you know, I got done with college and I, and I, then I got married and that was the next step, you know, and mm-hmm. I, and then, uh, you know, it, it's like, from this one island, I can see that next island out there. And mm-hmm. from that one, I can see the next one, you know. And so it's after I got married, I went to seminary, you know. And then it's like your first church or your first job. And he said, now. Kids and- yeah, kids, right. Yeah, kids in a house, <laughs> right. I got a mortgage. <laughs> and so he said, now I'm at this island and I'm looking out and all I see is open sea. Mm. And so when I heard him say that, I thought, boy, this is a really good description of what happens I think as we move further into God, it's like, you know, I had this um, a conquest to make or I had this uh, obstacle to get over. Mm-hmm. And now that ocean, that ocean out there that's God, it's within me. And mm-hmm. that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the that's, I mean, it's within me. Well, this is like uh, Oriwal. Is until we have faces. Until we have faces, or you all is standing before this tribunal, all this sea of people, and she says, "Across from her, but lifted up is the judge." And the judge says, "Remove her veil." Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm there, you know, in front of all of this host. You know, mm-hmm. basically, she's naked. And so I think that sense that, you know, if I have got something to do. Or something to conquer, or or a job to do. Go make me a missionary. Send me to Africa. Let me be a martyr. Whatever. That's that's. I know what to do. When I go inside, I've got to face. Uh, I've got to face my own. This is what happens to Jacob, right at the mm. at the well. Is I mean at the at the at the brook. It, who is it that Jacob wrestles with? I mean, I think in some sort of psychobabble way, you could say he's wrestling with himself. Hmm. And because, you know, what God asks is, what is your name? And now he's like, uh, 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 the deceiver, <laughs> you know, it's like the schmuck, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, and so to go inside, it, it is this sense of, um, it's twofold. It's one, it's the sense of facing my own uh, limits and darkness, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, my own shadow. But it's also the sense that God is in me. Mm-hmm. Can I face my own goodness? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if if I face my own goodness, Nate, <laughs> I'm going to have to start being responsible for that maybe. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's like uh, uh, John 5 where, where the Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And it's like, yeah. well, no, I think maybe I'll just stay here. <laughs> I'll blame other people. Yeah, yeah. Beg for coins here. I just yeah. blame other I, people. I love this kind of the island picture. And I mean, there's something about the kind of patience of God to give us these little spaces that, yeah. um, whereas if you start at the end and you're looking at the abyss, what do you do? But you've got this, this kind of trust that's been built of the islands, one yeah. to the next, and that there's something, um, we're not alone yeah. in facing the, yeah. the void. Uh, of ourselves and of life with God. 
I know you've got a, a, a wide listenership, and I, but I think it's it's you know so wide enough that it, it's worth saying. It, it really is important to think about the spirituality of the two halves of life mm. um, that Jung knew about, and then um, also you see like Richard Rohr has. Uh, written on this and um, Ronald Rollheiser um, mm-hmm. uh, lately Sacred Fire I think is his book okay and he's got like three stages but this sense of like when we're when we're younger we're like we're trying to figure out disciplines you know mm-hmm. how do I have a relationship that's really going to be lasting how do I find a, a vocation that's meaningful how do I learn disciplines so that I can live an ordered life mm-hmm. and spiritual disciplines and at a certain point those, uh, it's not that they become redundant or unnecessary, but they're not enough anymore. Mm-hmm. And this is John of the Cross. And in a sense, it's like, what happens then? It, it, the, that next stage is much more of a mystery and much kind mm-hmm. of, uh, it, it opens out into this, uh, uh, this kind of eternal now that's like, oh, Wow, I, I, there's no, there's not a map for it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As, as as there was. Well, I I almost think I'd see it as the the disciplines lead us into those spaces, and that those become disciplines in and of themselves. That in you know journeying, looking at the ocean through that. That yeah, uh, I mean the practice. I mean we were talking about prayer. That practice in and of itself yeah. is taking it deeper, deeper, yeah, right. deeper, further. And of course, then it's not about the discipline. It's about right. our life with God, right. You know? I mean, it, it's, it is interesting. It becomes, and maybe this is why, you know, so like they say that Thomas Aquinas, he wrote, and then at the end of his life, he just, he said something like he looked over the brink and then he knew that words mm-hmm. could no longer, you know, uh, they were no longer adequate. And so mm-hmm. he was, he, he stopped writing. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I find this like in Calvin's Institutes, he, he gets to a certain place uh, where he's, he's, Un, he's kind of connecting to this deep mystery, and he breaks out in this doxology. It's like, I like it. All I have is for this is poetry because mm-hmm. I've gotten to a place that's so deep. And so I, and I wonder if that's what happens. Is then, as you were saying, we, we're led out, and the prayer itself becomes something. It's just not programmatized anymore. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. And and it can be, you know. Then I think it's it's we need some companions along that way then mm-hmm. to say. You know, people who've been before us, spiritual director who says, no, this is normal. <laughs> You're not going right. crazy, you know, <laughs> or, or, yeah, uh, these are the dangers yeah. of yeah. this part of the journey or, you know. And isn't that the great thing about these old writers is they become our friends. Yeah. And, and our directors of sorts. Absolutely. Can learn from them. Absolutely. And that's what I think about Lewis is, is why do we keep coming, you know, any individual, why do you read Lewis the second, the third, the fourth time? Mm-hmm. I think because he's a spiritual director. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the quote? I maybe mentioned it on a podcast. Uh, Lewis's definition of an ignorant uh, person. No. Uh, someone who only reads a book once. Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I love these books that are worthy of second, third, fourth reads. Right. Um, it's, it's good. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for, for sitting down again yeah, and sharing with us. Wonderful. Uh, wonderful. Yeah. I, I, I want to I hear it again and write it down because uh, I want to remember what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. Well, there you have it. Of course, Robert's written a book on G.K. Chesterton titled Jogging with G.K. Chesterton, 65 Earth-Shaking Expeditions. And if you 
finding value in this podcast, I'd invite you to consider supporting this work with a dollar a week or leaving a kind review on iTunes. As always, thank you so much for listening. It means a tremendous amount to me. See you next week.